0: Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to episode 13 of the KDH podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kerry Major. How are you doing?
1: Good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. So the conversation we're going to be talking about today is nailing the basics uh, of nutrition with dietitian Kerry Major. Um, So before we get started as well, just normal stuff, guys. Get the um, podcast screenshotted and bang it onto your stories on Facebook and Instagram. We need to get that message out there more. So starting off with the first question, uh, Kerry, what's your story? Where did you start and what are you doing now?
1: Sure. So um, as you introduced, I am a dietitian currently working in Glasgow and my main job is in the um, NHS at the moment. I also do sports nutrition work on the side as a freelance dietitian um, so that involves obviously going to clubs and maybe doing talks and things there or also seeing, pay, or seeing clients on a one-to-one basis and I'm also a personal trainer. Um, so yeah I've been working as a dietitian since 2012. I worked for a couple of years and then um, decided to go back to uni and do my sports nutrition post-grad um, which was always really my plan but I think I needed to I was ready to work and I thought I'll get a couple of years grounding before I decide to specialise in any area and um, yeah I needed to save a little bit of money to go back to uni so I went back to uni a few years later and got my sports nutrition postgrad and then yeah I've been doing that I think since 2015 it will be and then I've just always had a love for exercise and fitness for well forever and I think my I think I actually never really planned to work as a personal trainer but I wanted to go and do the courses kind of for my own knowledge yeah. and the way things have worked out a kind of job opportunity came up and I've just started working as one and I absolutely love it so it's a really nice little sideline so
0: that's good yeah so you primarily focused in a sort of NHS job nine to five and then you do like um, personal training and your stuff on the side as well that's yeah. cool it's good yeah. Um, I think like see when you work with clients on like I've I found this only recently I, I went from doing about 35 hours a week with one-to-one sessions in the gym and now I'm doing much less because I'm focusing more on group training and I'm only going to keep about 10 to 15 clients but it's it's actually good having a smaller bunch it's not that you, you you're going to be more effective like it's at the end of the day you can provide a better service Um, so it, it is good working with a smaller bunch I think like it is pretty pretty good but um yeah so um i like as well that you were saying about how obviously trying to expand your knowledge there like going and doing your personal training courses um i speak to a lot of, I've spoken to a lot of physios and you tend to find a lot of physios do that sort of thing as well where they, they know that it's going to advance things so i'm all for that and I, I don't know like something in the future i don't know if i'll do some sort of extended education in one of these different areas and stuff but it's so important to broaden your knowledge like that um so yeah um whereabouts is it you do most of your sort of personal training stuff in glasgow yes
1: yeah, so it's in glasgow i used to do um some kind of fitness instructing classes and things down in greenock before i moved to glasgow um and then i work in the fit principal in glasgow just now just doing a couple of sessions a week um, so i've only got a little handful of clients but it's enough just around my um my full-time job with the nhs but yeah it's a lot of fun
0: no, that's good. And what sort of what sort of training do you do yourself? You said you're quite well rounded.
1: Um yeah, I used to I've kind of went through different phases over the the years. I used to be um a runner I would say back in my younger days when I used to run for a club and then um that kind of dwindled away during high school. So it was, that was quite a long time ago. And then I've kind of went through different phases of doing my own training in the gym and this was before my I did my own you know personal training course and things so I did maybe follow different programs or went to classes and different things like that and then I started to do CrossFit a couple of years ago and um, got hooked on that and then I've kind of I dip my toes in it so I maybe go to a couple of cross well obviously pre-lockdown um I used to go to just a, cr- a couple of crossfit sessions a week um and then do my own strength training um and then I'm still a fan of running so I enjoy going out running when I can so but I just mix it up so I try and my main thing is getting in my strength sessions a couple of times a week and then I decide what I want to do um over and above that whether it's a wee bit of running or a bit of crossfit.
0: Yeah no I love that well-roundedness of training that's totally the way I train I think Like When I started off training, I always talk about the evolution of training. It's like, as a guy, girls aren't always the same, but guys, it's always like you start off, you go to the gym, and it's like the bro split, go and learn the chest day, shoulder day. And a lot of females do that as well. And then that kind of evolves and stuff, and you start to realize, like, I'd always ran from a young age and stuff, and then you start combining the two, and you really see how they complement each other. And I think it's that sort of of bro way where it's like, oh, cardio kills the gains, and you're like, no, it doesn't. Like it's, yeah. it really, really does not. Whereas, one extreme to another, if you solely done cardio, I think the mistake is that a lot of people, when it comes to fat loss, they think they need to be sweating, they need to be doing loads of things that's high intensity, and they don't realize that exercise is something that just complements it. And, uh, yeah. That's where you're obviously going to be doing. All your sort of shaping up your body, getting really fit, feeling great. And it's only taking up a small part. It's everything else you're doing. But I always say that one of the things I frequently get, and you get it as well as a PT and, and a dietitian as well, is people go fat loss, exercise. And you're like, why is that the first thing that springs into someone's mind? And it's like, mm-hmm. and I used, to, I used to do it. Like I used to go on holiday. This was even probably like four years ago, five years ago. And I'd be like going, God, I'm going uh, to go on holiday. And I'd be ramping up cardio on top of my weights and it's like yeah. doing all this additional work and you're like it's so unhealthy do you know what i mean it's it's unsustainable it worked because i was just massively and creating a deficit for pure massive amounts of movement but um i think like having the balance right and realizing that i think it's changing the mindset from training for aesthetics to training for performance
1: 100 percent, and i think that's definitely i would say a kind of yeah i guess i don't know that i would say that i was on as well that i think when you go through high school and things like that there's this kind of pressure on you for doing things for aesthetic purposes and whatever else and I've been really fortunate that I've always had a relatively good relationship with food and exercise but I would say before I started uni there was a small period of my life where I thought right if I'm having this number of calories you know I have to maybe go and you know run this off in the gym and it was just a total like it was just weird Um, and it was actually once I got into uni that I really realized like this is not how this is meant to work Um, and I think it's really it makes me really sad that that's how a lot of people view food and exercise because I think actually this once you get to a point where you realize that food and exercise should be largely there for like enjoyment and obviously for health purposes and things as well of course but once you're able to try and find a form of exercise or a weight and eating pattern you know that you enjoy and it's sustainable for you and it actually opens up a whole lot of new like doors if that is if that isn't too cheesy yeah it
0: gives you freedom it gives you like you, you totally understand and it eliminates that guilt yeah Yeah. you have that like the the thing that people always the thing with food is you get this all the time as a dietitian is labeling foods i'm so i'm so against it like when people say like i I have i talk to people and they're doing amazing with training they're doing amazing with body composition uh, changes physical and mental changes they're getting strong they're getting fit they're like christian i had a chippy at the weekend and i'm like so what like is that like one meal isn't like, see, see in order to put on one pound of body fat, not one pound of scale weight, you need to be in an energy surplus of 3,500 uh, calories, which is mm-hmm. insane. Like you're not going to do that in a day. But it's yeah. like the reason that I think that people think of overweight, they think of A food, I'm overweight because of A food. You're like, no, no, you're overweight because your habits, like that's yeah. your habits have allowed you to get into a position where it's easy to uh, generate consumption. And then it's obviously, you just need to change that. It's not going to be done by one meal. It's not going to be done by uh, eliminating a food group. And again, I
1: think that's one thing as a dietitian that I'm really like passionate about as well, because I find that the way people stigmatize food with either things being good or bad is, is so not right. Um, and I think a lot of people actually even still, like if I ever say, oh, I've had like a pizza last night, they're like, what? And I'm like, are, are you serious? Like, you know, food is food is a social thing as well. Like, it should be there to be enjoyed. But obviously, largely, you should be thinking, right, how can I eat for health? But it doesn't mean that it should be boring or, um, you know, really difficult. Or you should be slaving away for hours in the kitchen. It it doesn't need to be like that at all. And I think that's why I try and show that to people as much as possible. Because when life is usually normal for me, I work quite a lot of hours during the week that I don't have time to spend ages in the kitchen and um it's just I wouldn't um I wouldn't be able to sustain my sustain my lifestyle if I spent all this time kind of tracking everything and you know it's just it really makes me sad that sometimes people find it was really difficult but there's just so much nutrition noise out there that people don't really know what to believe anymore yeah, um, yeah. and it makes like over, overly complicated for people as well
0: yeah it definitely isn't even some of my clients that are trained for a long time and and like they're still going this is if folk are always looking for this like penultimate diet and you're like mm-hmm. there's no such thing it's like and they're looking for more and you're like yep. like you're, you're trying to explain to people that it's it's not it's about understanding thermodynamics having your your what what your calorie needs are in line with your goals and then you might be looking at and with that looking at your nutritional needs making sure you get a variety of info. Of, like that to me, how many, what's my percentage on my fitness pal for carbohydrates and fats, I'm like, who cares like, you know what I mean, like genuinely like just get a nice variety of foods, it's never going to be the same but, um, but I think that food, uh, food is like, it's the sort of, when I started off in the gym I, the first gym I ever went to was a bodybuilding gym when I was younger, in Shurton and it was called Porky's and it was proper old school bodybuilding, all the guys wore those big parachute trousers, I was like 14, and uh, they were like, I hey, chicken and rice, man, you need to eat chicken and rice. And it's like, the thing is, they okay. educate. if you rewind back to the early 2000s, I was reading this in uh, an article that Brett Contreras wrote, and it was saying that if you rewind back to like, the early 2000s, the knowledge of nutrition in the UK fitness industry was shocking. Like it was in t- to where we're at now. But the thing that always baffles me is that it's still like, I, pro- I produce all this content, right? And I'm constantly talking about, like, nutrition, like, all these different things, like, activity and stuff. And then people are still phoning me, like, when I'm having maybe a sales call or an inquiry or a consultation and they're saying things like, yeah, so it's carbohydrates that are fat. And I'm like, fuck me, follow my page. Follow my yeah. page. This is all I talk about. Like, and yeah.
1: I think, like, the the particularly just touching on carbohydrates, I know we'll maybe talk about this later on as well, but I I wish, if if I could try and do one thing with regards to nutrition it would get people to stop thinking that carbohydrates are bad especially if you're someone who likes to stay active but they're they don't they give the body energy and so much more which I know we'll chat about but it just it's one that really infuriates my brain so much because they're so so nourishing and healthy. Um, if you choose the complex carbohydrates, and ugh, it just yeah, it's so frustrating.
0: No, I know it, it is. I think that, but I suppose that like, that is our job, as like, and obviously you as a dietitian and a personal trainer, me as a personal trainer, like, um, is trying to educate people as best we can, so yeah. that um, it doesn't. But the thing is like. I'm on the fence for like diet clubs and stuff. And I'm like, I do agree with it to the extent that if they help, I used to be so against them. I used to be like, nah, not even a chance. But if they help someone, yes. But at the same time, I've had so many people coming off the back end of them. They're like, what do you mean I can eat butter? Like, what do you mean I can have butter? And you're like, you can eat whatever you like as long as you learn how to manage it. And it's just yeah. this all or, all or nothing, isn't it? It's like... Yeah.
1: And I think that's the trouble sometimes when you when people think of a diet. It's something that they only usually plan to do Short term, yeah. they'll follow this, and then it's the bit that I always try and like reinforce to people is what are you doing after? You, the, going on a diet has not made you learn how to eat, how to eat better for the long term. So you intend to do it for this short period of time, you come off it, and you're and not in a better position. Yeah, you might have lost some weight, but you are going to then probably go back to your old habits, and often then what tends to happen is the weight that you've lost either goes back on, and then some more. Um, And it's just, it's never educating people on how to eat better for life. And that's why I think people just, many people have this distorted or bad relationship with, with food, which is, is really, really sad.
0: I know. And even at like, when I started off as a PT, like I've learned so much just through personal training and um, Mm -hmm. uh, online coaching, group training and stuff. And it's like in anything that I've educated myself my myself taught stuff. And I'm like, like as, at the level three PT course does not qualify you to go and uh t- talk to people about nutrition like it does mm-hmm. not at all and um it's a shame because like i remember starting off and people were like coming out with these mental i always, I always said there's no such thing as a mad quite a bad question but i've heard some absolute belters <laughs> and uh like they are like some people are saying things we're like why like i always love when people are like asking you about stuff that's like They've never looked at their calories in their life. They've never batted an eyelid at their inactivity and in their poor eating habits. You ask them to use my fitness pal and they're like, crushing my vitamins over. And you're like, why? Like, what? Like, who cares? I told you to look at your calories. Have you done that? No. And I'm like, well, why are you worried about that? Like, it's just folk. Like, you tell, you give someone a tool. And then they're looking at the wrong parts of it. And you're like, I told you just to look at your calories. And they're like, yeah, but what, my carbohydrates, what about this? What about that? And you're like, learn how to manage them first. Get your head around that and everything will be so much easier. Um, but yeah. we'll move on to the next question, Kerry, because we have obviously shot over a wee bit initially, but it's all good. Yeah, things. Okay. I'm just opening up my phone. Um, so first question, for someone brand new who wants to improve their health and fitness, what three areas would you tell them to focus on with nutrition?
1: Um, the first thing I would always say is get back to basics so that is trying to find a way whether it is through speaking to a dietitian or nutritionist or obviously as a a personal trainer you will have the the, um, knowledge there to provide the basic eating principles that people should be known about so we chat about the eat well guide that's government guidelines on how we should be trying to um, Eat in a particular way in order for our body to get all the nutrients that we need. So it's thinking about trying to have appropriate portion sizes of food and trying to get in all the food groups that we need. So there's five main food groups in the diet, complex carbohydrates, fruit and vegetables, proteins, dairy and dairy alternatives, and then healthy fats. Um, and it's trying to make sure that we get a balance of those and obviously taking them in appropriate portion sizes. That's often what I try and um, bring people back to. The other thing I would say is make sure that you focus on planning so I think for a lot of people by saying this I don't want people to think that they have to spend hours planning every single thing out but I think if they go into if you choose a working week for an example if they go in with a bit of an idea of at least what they're going to have whether it's just the day or the two days ahead or if you want to plan for the week ahead even fine you don't have to go and prep every meal but it's just so you think right for breakfast I'm going to be having this and this and this or whatever lunch you know it's just so that you've got an idea so that you can either get the food in and um, you can prepare perhaps a little bit in advance if you want to and it means that you're not coming in perhaps after a day's work and um, when you're tired you can't be arse cooking and you've obviously not got the stuff in there to actually cook anything healthy so I would say a little bit of planning can really go a long way. Um, the third thing I would definitely say is for a lot of people is to try and make sure that they drink enough fluid. Um, I think this is often something that a lot of people tend to forget about and definitely is something that uh, well, a good couple of years ago I wasn't good for as well. And I think um, in a busy job sometimes you can forget to drink enough water during the day so it means that you often tend to um, feel really crap because you're obviously dehydrated it's obviously not good for you anyway but if you're trying to train and um, it can make you really fatigued and you can lose concentration it also sometimes makes you reach for things that are going to give you a boost of energy and that's sometimes because your body maybe just doesn't tell the difference right away you're feeling fatigued and quite tired that often pe- people reach for food first um, rather than actually trying to make sure that they stay hydrated and people don't realize that that can actually top up your energy levels and well not from a um, not from a Cali point of view, but can keep yeah. you alert um, and make you feel um, and make you feel more focused by actually staying hydrated. So yeah. they're probably my dream. three.
0: No, they're absolutely spot on. So just to recap, them like I like I'm I'm someone that's like I, I've been uh, tracking my nutrition for years. I'm very aware of my body. Like I know my recovery well. I know my training well. I know all these different points. And for the past five months, I haven't been doing early starts purely because everything's been online. I've been doing one to ones outside. It's all for the day. Um, last week I launched my boot camp, which I'm doing half six in the morning, three times a week. So I also had to move some other clients. I had four, six 30 a.m. starts last week. And um, then I was working, it wasn't my, my day. I've totally rearranged the way I do things. However, I'm more lethargic because of the times, even though I'm making sure that I'm going to be in bed for like 10, um, I'm still tired getting up for that. Cause it's the first week of getting used to it. And already that fatigue, I'm noticing myself opting for things because my day is longer. And because I didn't plan my eating in line with it, I just I, it wasn't I didn't plan my nutrition. I wasn't thinking about the prolonged days means more calories required for some of my size because I do quite a lot. And I found myself doing things like, I'll just have that. I'll be out getting something to eat and I'm, I'm picking up sugary things. I'll just eat a bag of sweets and stuff. And I wasn't doing that. And it's down to my... And I'm dead aware of it. I know what it is. Um, and it's just because I was so lethargic last week. Our bodies are very intricate. And we, when without realising we will like your body's like i'm tired i'm hungry right i'm going to go for the most calorie sugary dense thing that i can get to give me more quick energy and it's the same with like your neat your non-exercise activity thermogenesis if you drop your calories down really low as well your body will try and it'll be like i'm not going to move see when you're like maybe waiting about and hanging about and i think this is why i'm always telling people like it's not that i hate when people say things like oh you need to eat more but less of things there's no rule to meal timing However, if you're leaving big, massive gaps in your day, it can really, really promote, obviously, binge eating. And I think that's what a lot of people fall guilty to. Um, funny story, last week I was at, um, I think I'd done a big, like massive run in the morning, and then I was training at night, and I was out driving, and it was Monday afternoon, and I went and got a double quarter pounder meal from McDonald's. <laughs> and I was sat in the car park, and you were talking about people not having planning. Monday, at Monday half 11, right, the car park was heaving, with every day, all workies, all people like on their lunch break family sitting there was like fucking Monday afternoon. Why is McDonald's this busy? Like it's actually, Mm -hmm. and I I know I was sitting there doing it. It's not something that I regularly do and I'm not trying to belittle eating at McDonald's. Like you should see my nutrition. It's genuinely well-rounded, but I still eat what I like as well. Do you know what I mean? But what I'm trying to get at is like, it it was quite alarming that on a Monday afternoon, like that a place like that people are opting to do that. It's just a, a Monday snack. And you're like, God, no wonder we're in the position we are when people are opting for that. Like I, I tend to have a rule of thumb that during the week, Monday to Friday, I don't consume uh, any like takeaways in that at all. I try and keep it all at like, sort of home-cooked meals and that. Obviously, there'll be odd time in that, but I'm meaning like, that's my sort of rule of thumb. Whereas it's very alarming to see that all these – I know that all this, like um, what's it called, help to buy uh, the government um, Monday to Wednesday, you can go out and st- stuff, but like McDonald's is cheap as it is. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to go there and be like, oh – my knitting MP double cheeseburgers now 49p. like it's not going to break the bank is it? Um. So, but it is it's quite alarming to see how busy that was on a Monday, even though I was there scranning it as well. Um, I think
1: there's just so many um, fast food places open that sometimes the idea of people being able to just go and buy something that's cooked for them already you know all they have to do is choose what they want off a shelf and and that's it there's no there's no thought process or anything that's needing to to go into it of course that's an easier option for people but um i i think it's just trying to think back to yes that's something that we probably shouldn't be doing all the time eating out you know unless there are healthy options and things out there for you know for us to choose um i think it's just that everyone's life just now is just sometimes very busy and I think often nutrition is maybe put to you know to the back burner a little bit whereas they would probably feel and fuel themselves a lot better if they if they actually just spent a little bit of time kind of um, getting some ideas of what they what they wanted to eat or maybe just preparing a wee bit in advance could sometimes make a huge difference.
0: No definitely planning is key for anything isn't it like it's, it's what I say to my group on a Sunday evening I'm always like right start thinking about the week ahead do not leave things to chance otherwise they will not get done i feel yeah. like like my boot camp my members get access to free a week and it's like if you just leave them to chance you'll probably find that you'll be like oh my god it's saturday now i've not been yet whereas yeah. if you know what days you're going it's in there it's in the diary you're going to get it done it's the same with your nutrition and this could be genuinely something like, like i always i'm a big advocate of getting people to track However, I'm mm-hmm. not telling them to track the rest of their life. I'm telling them to do it for a short period of time to build a little bit of awareness up. Um, mm-hmm. And then they could have maybe some protocols in place on a Monday. They track on a Monday and it just kind of sets them in the right direction. But these simple tasks are what make the difference. And um, they're, they're not massively time-consuming and not massive, but they do involve a little bit of effort. And I think yeah. this then drums down to where does your body composition and your health goals lie in your list of priorities? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people think it's at the top. And it's not, and I think yeah. that's a that's a big one there as well. It's like a lot of people think that they want something more than they actually do. Um, but yeah, no, good three points there, Kerry. Um, so, what's your thoughts on track uh, tracking calories, pros and cons?
1: Um, okay, I'll start with the pros first. I think it can help give people some sort of measurable way to have. Um, to have a look at what they're eating it might allow people to be a little bit more mindful of the food that they're are the food and drink that they're actually consuming as well because if they're having to actually put it into whether it's an app or writing it down somewhere or whatever it might be it might allow them to be a bit more mindful of that rather than I think quite often people are, um, me included, can quite easily pick up things that might be lying about in the kitchen or, you know, just as we're going and you're not conscious perhaps that you've actually just had something to eat or a couple of biscuits or whatever it might be. Um, I think as well it can also perhaps allow people to maybe see if they are under or overestimating how much they actually think that they're eating. Probably two of the main things tend to be that a lot of people think that they're perhaps under they're perhaps underestimating how many calories that they're actually eating and it also might actually bring to light that they're maybe overestimating or underestimating how much protein and things that they're having um, so it can sometimes just help to give people a little bit of of an awareness like you said before and um, I think I think the only time I tend to potentially suggest to someone is that it might be like you said just so for a very sh- short period of time to just give you a bit of an idea of of where you're at because I think sometimes people have very little idea of how many calories they're actually having Um, but I would say that there's there are better ways to try and learn how many calories and things are in foods rather than trying to get consciously tracking and I believe that it's good for people to have a calorie awareness but I'm not actually a fan of continually tracking calories all the time and the cons of this is one of my main bugbears is that it's not a sustainable way to live. It's also not boring and food is also sorry it's also boring Um, and I also think that people then get fixated on calories rather than actually the quality of the food that they're eating. Um, It can also be quite triggering for people so um, yes it can work for some but I think for people who perhaps have a distorted relationship with food people can become quite obsessive about it, um, and it can actually kind of develop into more serious problems, um, which is one of the reasons I'm, I'm really not keen for it. Um, I think sometimes people maybe use it as a justification that if it fits within their calories, oh, I can just have this, and that's where it maybe comes back down to, again, that they're forgetting about the quality of the food that they're eating, and it's more just a focus on calories. Um, yeah, and I guess it's just maybe a bit of a stress and a hassle, and what, actually one thing I haven't mentioned as well is that they're actually not they're not 100 percent accurate as well they're estimates and um, so I think people need to remember that it's they're not gospel and we shouldn't be focusing just on using them but yeah so that it, it very much depends on the person um, but I think people just need to be really careful of trying to think or thinking about doing something like that for a long period of, of time and um, often I actually think in my own area of work that the times that people might find it useful is actually if they're kind of athletes and things like that because they maybe need to be a little bit more mindful of the amount of carbohydrates that they're eating pre and post a, a session or the amount of protein they're getting over the course of the full day um, in order to maximize their training sessions especially if they're maybe training twice three times a day or have sessions in quick succession so maybe they have a, a session at night time and then one early the next day just to make sure that they're actually feeling appropriately um, it can be sometimes just so for them but largely for me I actually tend to encourage people to more think about Their plate, rather than actually calories. So think about portion sizes of each of the food groups, rather than actually thinking about calories and you know and tracking it that way, and just be more mindful of what's on your plate, rather than thinking, oh, I need to go and put it into an app or something like that.
0: No, no, it's absolutely spot on. Like I'm totally the same. Like the reason I get people to do it is because as like I've done, I've done over three and a half thousand hours of personal training now, and in that time. I started to realize that you can't hold conversations about nutrition with people when they don't have that awareness. Like I used yeah. to get to a point where I'd be like talking about like the, why, cause the folk, I think now with all these activities trackers and stuff, like it's so annoying. Cause folk are like I burned 400 calories in my workout and I'm like, you shouldn't be looking at that. Like that yeah. is completely the wrong end of the spectrum. But then you're trying to explain to them the importance. of like, I, I think people are unaware that your BMR contributes so much to your expenditure. Like like people, I think people think your body runs in absolutely nothing. And um, like your brain alone, your brain alone needs like it's, it's crazy amounts of calories just to function for a full 24 hours. And um I think people are totally unaware of that and they think it's all down to the exercise. So then when you tell someone to start tracking their calories, the eye-opening talks that I have with people two weeks later and they're like, Christian, I can't believe that I thought I, w- I wasn't eating anything and I was eating like four thousand calories a day. And then it's the yeah. other people that are like maybe like they'll try to gain weight and like I've tried everything. I'm like, right, I want you to track your calories for the next two weeks and not act that to me. Because I'm eating like 1,300 calories a day and I'm doing 10,000, 15,000 steps and i like, told you. But they, that, that's what I feel people need. And when I tell people to track, I'm never, ever telling them to do it for the foreseeable. It's for a, yeah. a set amount of time. So it's like, we're going to do this for now. Um, and me personally, I track probably three or four weeks out of the year. That's it. Mm-hmm. And the reason I do it is maybe prior to a holiday, because I know that it's good for getting into a a regimented sort of process. uh, And I know that it's good for that. Um, It it just gets me in the right mindset for it. But I totally agree as well, because um, it's something that I touched base on one of the last podcasts, like eating disorders, um, people with obviously a sort of obsessive nature. It is really, really bad. But from my experience, what like on the gym floor, Let's say, for example, you've got a scale. I don't, I'm not, these stats are not 100% at all, but let's say it helps 95% and then there's maybe a 5% that it doesn't. But I suppose mm-hmm. there's so many things where you could say to someone, running's great, but getting someone that's really overweight to run isn't really good. Do you know what I mean? It's not like one of those things where it's like, Matt, from my perspective, I've genuinely just, I've always used it as something where it's like, that could probably help the masses, but there's going to be a majority that could be. And it's like, but when I'm with someone, I, I tend to see what their personality is like in that as well. And I speak to them about it. I would never just be like, do that. You need to do yeah. that. Like, um, so it's, it is, as you said, it's down to a person, but totally agree. And I think one of the ones as well, it's learning how to portion control. So using things like, there's uh, different skills using your hand as well. So when you're using like getting a portion of pasta, potatoes, using your hand as a measurement because your hand's obviously a good gauge. Um, but you can find videos on YouTube. I don't know, like I'm not going to sit here and reel off exactly what it is. Um, but you can't, if anyone is listening and you're like, I like the sound of that, go into YouTube and you'll be able to find a video talking about portion size in relation to your hand. Cause it's a really, really good way to measure your food.
1: Yeah I actually think for one of the other questions I know we're going to chat about that was actually something that um, I had in mind and it's often what I say to people is you think of for example your your three macronutrients which are your carbohydrates, proteins and fats are the nutrients that are going to give your body energy to sustain you throughout the day. So again portion sizes will vary depending on your activity levels Um, but kind of generally speaking if you are using hand measures we say that a portion size of complex carbohydrates so things like your bread rice potatoes pasta things like that will roughly be about the size of your fist and um, for a portion size of protein whether it's chicken fish whatever it might be is about the size of your palm and then for a portion size of healthy fats will roughly be about the size of your thumb um, and that just might help to give a bit of you know an idea for people because I think sometimes people then get a little bit um, worried about if they do start tracking oh do I have to weigh everything and that's boring as well like you know I remember actually <laughs> the only time that I would say that this is potentially useful and it's actually an example that I tend to give quite often um, if I'm asked about it is that I remember when I was going through uni we had to do a week's worth of weighed food intake and that was for us obviously as a dietitian to get used to what does a portion size of this look you know so that we are easy able to kind of eyeball something and think right that's going to roughly have this amount of calories or whatever it might be in it and I always remember weighing out my cereal portion in the morning when I used to eat whatever cereal it was and roughly a portion size is about of cereal give or take depending on what it is is perhaps roughly between 30 to 45 grams worth of cereal Give or take, if you look at the back of the packet, and I remember this one morning that I was like, I weighing out my stuff, and I weighed out ninety-two grams worth of cereal. And at that point, I was not probably exercising as much as what I did or what I do now. Um, I wasn't adding on any kind of fruit or anything to try and make it a bit more balanced. And like I mentioned earlier on, we want to think about this balanced plate where we're getting some carbohydrates, you know, um, protein, a protein source, whether it's you know animal-based or plant-based. We're getting some healthy fats in there, fruit and vegetables, and my, it just wasn't like that so actually for myself going through um, that little period of time in uni it was useful for me to do it for a week and it gave me a bit of a, an idea um, of where things were at you know with regards to portion sizes if you wanted to weigh things out but actually your hand measures can be a really really good way of doing it just from a visual perspective and then obviously if you're a little bit more active then you might want to increase the portion sizes so maybe taking two servings of carbohydrates um you know something like that and it could be a much easier way for you to to visualize what you're actually needing rather than than weighing things out
0: definitely and I think like the more you do something you tend to just make sense over time doesn't it like you you, you go ah, I totally get this now that. Like, I talk about it a lot with, um, I tra- I train a lot of my clients up now towards like, doing things like distance running and stuff like that, like half marathons, I have quite a few clients doing that right now, and a lot of them are talking about things like, what about this and what about that, and I'm like, just do it, I'm like, just do it, and it will make sense, like you're going to make a few mistakes now, I d- I'm not going to get them injured, but I'm meaning like things are inevitable that are going to happen, but you need to, like I think that's the thing sometimes, it's like there's so many how, how what, when, and you're like, just do it. Just action is better than words, do you know what I mean? And, and once you start doing it, it just makes sense. And I think that's one of the things why I tell people, I'm like, like someone comes and like, Christian, I've tried everything. I can't get my head around fat loss. And I'm like, have you ever tracked your calories? I'm like, no, I'm like, go and do it for a week. Then we'll speak. And then they go like that. Whoa, I cannot believe. And then it's like, right, let's have conversations there about implementing better habits, protocols. But I think when it comes to managing your body composition, as you said there, Nice balanced variety of foods, but stay active. People need to be active, man. Because, and I'm not talking exercise here. I'm like just talking moving, like because you're going to give yourself so much more flexibility in regards to, um, like even if you are like even someone that was imagine a small female, right, um, of five foot, let's say that works at a desk job, they could eat a really really balanced diet, a healthy foods, but because the contribution to movement is that small, they could still get gain fat quite easily because of their the size their weight their age and their inactivity mm-hmm. whereas if you tell someone to be more active it doesn't matter whether they're eating a a, a nice balanced diet or the their, their nutritional choices aren't good they're just going to make life so much easier for themselves from a fat loss and, and body composition management perspective um so that's and
1: in this like if this sounds the right way to put it in this like day and age um, a lot of the jobs that people do are very sedentary and don't get me wrong we should be trying to exercise where we can because obviously as per government guidelines and different things like that strength training a couple of times during the week is really good for maintaining our muscle and our bone strength and um, we also should be trying to just do, be doing something that keeps our lungs working really well um, a couple of times a week but actually what a lot of people sometimes do is think right I have exercised for half an hour or whatever that day and then actually tend to be very sedentary for the rest of the day and doing one bit of exercise doesn't um, take away from how active you should perhaps be through the rest of the day you know we should don't get me wrong rest days and things are very important and there's definitely days I sit and don't move very far from the couch but I think on the whole it's trying to think actually look how can I stay more actively if you think and compare what we as humans used to be like however many years ago we didn't have cars like you know we were always taking the stairs we didn't have escalators we didn't have lifts you know we were walking to the shops rather than just i'll take the car even though the shop's like two minutes around the corner like we've got so many things that just help or perhaps maybe encourage us to be more lazy um, and I think that is sometimes maybe where we come into a bit of difficulty as well but I mean there's also obviously loads of other things like social economic status and things also that plays a, a huge role in what people are able to do and um, you know with regards to kind of staying healthy and active and you know eating well there's a lot of factors to play but um, yeah I think we definitely have to think about moving a little bit more where we can um, during the day as well
0: we're just we're just quite lazy now aren't we everyone's just a bit lazy. <laughs> i'll say it i'll say i'll say i'll, I'll say i'll be honest <laughs> Sorry, i agree with you <laughs> no no every i think that is one of the things it's just and it's as a as a coach it's like one of the hardest things it's like you like you can tell i've had people where i was saying that there where they have maybe struggled with fat loss right i keep using this as an example because it always pops up and it's, it's something that a lot of folks struggle with and you're right in your like to some, are you going to move? Like you, you're going to give them things like, why don't you go and listen to this podcast? Like I, always, I tell a lot of my clients to try and build habits to go and listen to things like audiobooks and podcasts whilst they're out walking. It's that easy cue to obviously go, to obviously learn on the move, be proactive, be productive, um, whilst obviously getting obviously um, out for a walk. It's good for you mentally and physically. Um, and I've got people where they're like, I'm not going to do that. And I've actually had people where they say it and I'm like, right, because your activity is so low, then we'll probably have to look at religiously kind of tracking a bit because you need to understand that your inactivity is going to massively put a hurdle in front of your fat loss goals. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. take much. Like I think me and Andrew Marshall mentioned it in the last podcast. This could be scheduling in a walk after each meal, a 10-minute walk after each meal. It could be a 10-minute walk when you wake up, a 10-minute walk after each meal, and a 10-minute walk before you go to bed in the evening. Do you know what I mean? That is literally mm-hmm. 50 minutes of walking you've accumulated out of nothing. In 10 minutes is nothing. Do you know what I mean? You could walk just under a mile. Um, yeah, easily. Do you know what I mean? You could walk about like three quarters of a mile, which is massive. So, like, on, like if anyone is listening and you're like, fuck, it, I'm inactive, start moving more and put a plan in place, like Kerry said at the beginning as well. Like, and not even in regards to nutrition, like set your week out, set up some non-negotiables and start thinking about what you're going to do to start taking action. And get like your yep. friends and stuff involved as well. Like, don't try and take it on yourself. Like, I think that's, nowadays, a lot of people are like, I tell people to go out for a walk, and they're like, what do you mean, myself, go out for a walk? And and I think that, again, it kind of ties in with that, because we're always uh, and sitting down, socializing together, and you're like, right, go out for a walk yourself. And people are like, bewildered. like, Why did you just tell me to do that? That's mental. Um, so yeah, um, moving on to the next point there. For someone that doesn't want to track, the re- do you know why I asked you a lot of tracking uh, questions? I just want to hear your perspective on it. And I <laughs>
1: yeah, that's fine.
0: <not> right. <laughs> I know that a lot of people will be I appreciate these as well because it's something that obviously I want to just speak to people in that field as well and hear about it as well. So for someone that doesn't want to track but wants to lose some fat, how would you tell them to go about it?
1: Sure. So as we can actually just mentioned, this is the, um, the question that I'd scribbled down about portion sizes. Um, portion size is one of the biggest things I think many people have a problem with and have no um, no idea of what really a portion size of particular food groups are and actually giving you the example of what I was like when I was in uni and I had to do that weighed food intake that hopefully gives you a, a bit of an example of how easy it is to actually overeat when you've not really got an awareness of what a portion size might be so as we said before thinking about complex carbohydrates you know the size roughly of your fist and um, the size of your palm for about a portion size of protein and the size of your thumb for um, a portion of healthy fats and actually I never mentioned about Um, fruit or vegetables before but if you're trying to add some vegetables and things to your meal you really want to be thinking roughly about um, kind of two handfuls almost of it to try and build up your your plate like that. Fruit is slightly different but I would say anything from about 80 grams you know a medium-sized piece of fruit or a handful of grapes or something like that can be, be a good idea. Um, the other food group that's kind of missing from, from those ones there are dairy um, or dairy alternatives. Roughly, we should be aiming maybe for about two to three portions of dairy products a day. But because it's very variable, depending on the type of dairy product you're choosing, whether that is yogurt or cheese, um, it's actually much better to just have a wee look at the label on the back and say, look, that's roughly going to be a portion size of a yogurt, might be a you know 100 grams. And um, That could just be a couple of tablespoons that you put out um, or cheese, again, look at the back of it just to give you a rough idea of what a portion size is. Um, So yeah, I would say portion size is definitely one of the first things I I would encourage people to be more mindful of. Um, the next thing I would definitely say is trying to think about activity levels, which we've obviously touched on already. So, yes, trying to see if you can find a way of exercising that you love, because we should be trying to do a little bit of strength and a little bit of cardio work and things throughout the week for our general health. Um, but it has to be enjoyable for you. It has to be something that you know that you can keep up and it's sustainable for you and you don't treat it as a chore. Um, but again also it comes down to it's not just your bit of exercise how else can you get a little bit more active throughout the day and um, which we've obviously already spoken about the last thing that I would definitely um, think about is making sure that your meals are going to be actually really satisfying and nourishing so the, the main thing I need to, or what I would touch on there is that you want to try and do that little bit of planning if you can so that you can make sure that your meals are actually going to be giving you a fair balance of the nutrients that you need. And the reason I've touched on this is like we said right at the beginning of the podcast is many people may be trying um lower their carbohydrates when in fact actually they really need them and they're a really, really important part of our nutritional intake they actually are our first form of energy that our body wants to use so if you're not taking enough of them um, you're probably going to be feeling a bit fatigued you'll probably not have enough energy to go into your next meal which might encourage you to snack a little bit more when you might not need that um, also carbohydrates you get lots of other vitamins and minerals as well as a lot of fiber from it if you choose the right options um, you know, it's making sure that you're getting a balanced a balanced meal and trying to think about that as a breakfast, lunch and dinner and things if you can, um, because that will be a really good way to make sure that you're fueled appropriately and actually you're getting the nutrients in there that you need, um, rather than maybe jumping for, you know, food that are, foods and drinks and things that are a little bit more convenient, which might not actually be the most nourishing thing for you.
0: I think with um, food choices as well they were all great fantastic points there like um, it's what you were saying I always say to everyone get the most bang for your buck what you can Um don't pick things that aren't going to like fill you up but they're going to rank ramp your calories up for the day and stuff like I think a big one where a lot of folk would they do is like um, I've a lot of people where it's not everyone but I've what, so what's your opinion see when someone says to you they don't eat fruit and vegetables what do you what do you respond to that with?
1: Um, I often will tend to say to them um, you obviously haven't tried different fruits and vegetables or cooked them in a way that you have found that you enjoy yet (laughs) because there are so many fruits and veg out there that it's probably really impossible to not like any of them Um, so yeah I, I, I don't really have that as a I don't take that as an excuse from people. No,
0: I've, I've had it to fault. I remember, <laughs> like, I, I mentioned oh, this in my Marla podcast. I was doing a, I was doing a talk last year, and someone was saying, like, um, they didn't eat it at all. And it was, like, I was just stood there, and I was, like, you need to be an adult here. Like, you just need to be an adult and be, like, we need these foods in our diet. At the end of the day, we're not, we're not children. And I yeah. think that's, like, I... I I'm I'm not very tolerant when people say that to me. I'm just very much like, you need to, you can't mm-hmm. not do that. Um, and I think I've met a lot of people they are like, I don't eat fruit and vegetables, I don't drink water. And you're like, how do you feel? Like, what, what do you feel like right now? And I, I, people, when they when they eat like that, they genuinely must think they feel okay, but they'll feel so much better when they I'm do sure. I think that's, they, they don't know what feeling okay is. Mm-hmm. Um And I think they'll see their sleep and everything improve. They'll see their recovery, um, their their performance in the gym just through consuming, hydrating themselves better um, and obviously consuming more nutrient-dense foods.
1: 100%. And I think the bit that worries me when a lot of people say that they don't consume any fruit and veggies, don't get me wrong, we get lots of vitamins and minerals from other foods like complex carbohydrates. We'll get some from our meats, dairy products and things like that as well. But fruit and vegetables we get, lots of vitamins and minerals from and we get lots of fiber from it as well that i i worry if people don't include any of them um then they're probably potentially lacking in some really important micronutrients so it's, that's vitamins and minerals that um that's the bit that i would maybe get a little bit you know concerned about um is really because as dietitians we often say if you get a variety in you probably don't have to think a lot about all the different vitamins and minerals that they are that you know that we should be trying to get in our diet and that's why i always say that there should be a focus on trying to get good portion sizes or good sources from each of the food groups that i've mentioned before yeah. and then you don't really need to worry about vitamins a d e and k vitamins b and c and all this kind of thing that it's actually more taking it back to the, the food groups but if you're taking out a food group there i mentioned fruit and vegetables as one of the food groups before you're you're probably you know limiting how many vitamins and minerals and different things like that you can get because they're one of our richest sources um so yeah
0: I always feel like when someone says to me like oh I don't eat fruit and vegetables I don't drink water I'm like your pee must be like treacle like <laughs> <laughs> you must be like going to the toilet and it's like what the fuck is that I don't
1: know. do you know as well that I actually again just as a kind of like side note or I've given an example I think I mentioned before that I used to be really rubbish for drinking enough yeah. um and one point actually when I used to work down down actually your neck of the woods in in Ayrshire um, I used to go up I used to drive to the gym in the morning and actually go to one of the gyms down in Ayrshire Um, I used to probably drink a little bit during my session drink a little bit after Um, probably not drink that much during the day when I was buzzing about the wards at work and then see by the end of the day I had this thumping headache and no bloody wonder because I had obviously been at the gym as well and that's even taking that out of the equation I was probably not drinking enough or I wasn't drinking enough and I remember saying to myself I really need to make a conscious effort to get better at this and I remember saying to myself I'm going to stick to trying to make sure I drink at least two litres of fluid for three weeks and just see what I can do because I think it's so easy for people to give up on a habit for one day just because it seems too difficult and yeah don't get me wrong I was running for a pee I don't know how often at the beginning but see actually now after the three weeks had passed see actually when I was drinking less, if there was a day that I hadn't kind of been a bit more on top of it, I felt crap. Yeah. Like I actually felt really, really crap that it's very rare now that I would say there's not a day that I don't, I don't drink better. And I really did see that I was feeling much better at work. I was actually probably feeling better in my training sessions and things in the morning. Um, it was just, yeah, definitely it's hydration is just so important.
0: Yeah, it is. and I think it's one of those things it's because you can't see the results there and then. You drink a pint of water and you're not like, oh, I feel a hundred times better. Like, you, It's not one of those things where it's something that you constantly need to have a habit there and top it up. Um, but Absolutely. what I would always try and say is I, I tend to have a pint or a, whatever glass I have as soon as I wake up. As soon as I come downstairs, I have a shower, I'll get ready, come downstairs and don't like make sure you're trying to hydrate before you're drinking caffeine as well. Um, and yeah. although it, it, caffeine does obviously have properties in it of water it's still caffeine dehydrates you as well so you're essentially just putting yourself into a, do you know what I mean you're just waking up you're usually more dehydrated in the morning as well um, and then you find that because you always kind of you might wake up with a dry mouth again this is like the poor nutrition choices like uh, last night I had, a, I had a snack quite late on I had like a, was it a toast or something I had last night quite late and it had cheese nut in it and I woke up this morning and I was like "Fuck, I'm dehydrated like Right away, and I think then going and just sipping on a coffee if you're feeling like that is like you're just setting yourself up, you're not setting yourself up to win. So, planning having like sort of targets, like Kerry said, there two liters a day, um, or just having a pint of water when you wake up, having a pint of water each meal, whatever you decide to do, just little things like this are going to set you up to get you moving in the right direction. But it can significantly affect your performance as well in the gym,
1: like, 100%. 100% um... I think it's often like the forgotten nutrient as well. So as much as it's maybe not part of the food groups I've mentioned, your water is a nutrient, like your body is roughly about 70% water. So if you're not replacing it when you lose it regularly throughout the day through sweat losses, going to the toilet, different things like that, you're going to feel crap so 100% is something that we definitely need to think about and that's why it was one of the things that I mentioned earlier on about making sure that people are adequately hydrated because for the large majority they're really not. A really good way for people to actually have an idea of whether they're drinking enough is, it might sound sound a bit weird but look at the colour of your pee so you're aiming for this like pale straw coloured urine and that will give you a bit of an indicator that Um, you're hopefully drinking enough if it's darker than that you're probably already dehydrated so go and drink some fluids
0: treacle piss Um, (laughs) (laughs) don't want that Um, sorry I'm quite vulgar when I speak Um, (laughs) so moving on to the next part there um, what's your thoughts on BCAs branched chain amino acids anyone that doesn't know what a BCA is protein shakes and nutrition supplements in general
1: okay so we'll tackle BCAs first um they're quite a popular supplement, I would say, that kind of started off in the bodybuilding world and their their potential, or their, sorry, their proposed benefit um, tends to be, a lot of people think that they might give them um, a better muscle protein synthesis, so better muscle gains. Um, a lot of people think that they might prevent muscle protein breakdown. Um, other examples might be that they might reduce the... Um, markers of exercise and just like muscle damage so how you feel after exercise if you've had kind of heavy session and um, different things like that but actually the evidence behind them is really really quite limited um, and so the kind of branched chain amino acids that we've got there's there's three in there so there's leucine isoleucine and valine or valine depending on how you see it and actually we can get these through our, um, our diet as well so actually the evidence that we're getting is actually Um, kind of suggesting there's probably no benefit of taking them and we can probably get them from a whole food approach rather than actually just taking supplements of them. So I tend to never really ever recommend them and always would suggest a whole food approach first. Um, Pretty much nine out of ten like times people can usually overeat the amount of protein that they need and as long as they're trying to get a mixture of different proteins particularly if they um, they get their Protein from some animal based sources, they're going to get the amino acids and things that they need anyway. Um, so yeah, the main one that we often tend to think about is leucine, and that's kind of the trigger for kind of muscle protein synthesis. But the the three branch chains taken in a supplement form generally aren't aren't required.
0: It's genuinely like like so protein shakes we're going to move on to, but it's almost like going, like I like it, I think it's funny when someone's like, drink the protein shake and then they're drinking a BCAA through a workout and you're like, you're just drinking a watered down version of what you're drinking, that you probably don't need to drink because you've probably already got adequate protein in your diet. Your diet. I think the key word with supplements is that they're supplements. They're not like, and I, like I think that I've actually got a video that I'm going to put up tomorrow. It's talking about protein shakes. And it's like, from a fat loss perspective, there's people in the gym where they're like, I'm losing fat and they're like drinking protein shakes. I'm like, why are you drinking liquid calories? Like, why, like we were talking about getting the most bang for your buck. Why would you be like, oh, I'm hungry let me drink some calories and then because protein, do you know what I mean? That's the level of knowledge there. Oh,
1: and I think, um, I think like you said, supplements are there to, to supplement. And I think sometimes, particularly maybe if you're just starting off at the gym or, you know, people are just really into it. They often think no supplements are just necessary. That's just something that, that we definitely need to which the, the way I tend to describe them is that either the tip of the iceberg or the, the icing on the cake. Um and, for the large majority of people, um, particularly if they're more just recreational athletes, you know, enjoying going to the gym, you can pretty much 100% get all the nutrition you need through a food first. And the only times you'll usually see, for example, a sports nutritionist or sports dietitian suggesting to someone to take it, it might be from a performance benefit because they're just needing that little bit, you know, of extra support, you know, that might potentially help them. But again, from a sports perspective, Again, I know, I'm sure every sports nutritionist or sports dietitian will say that we will avoid supplements at all costs because one, half the time you don't know what's in them. There's obviously a lot of um, information and stuff in the media over recent years where we spoke about Lance Armstrong, people getting caught um, with taking stuff. And sometimes the supplements might say that they have no added stuff in it, but they don't know that. Um, And you could actually put your career on the line if you take something that potentially has a banned substance in it. Um, So there's only actually a couple of different supplements um, that you would potentially see a sports dietitian recommending. And that could be, for example, caffeine, creatine and um, beta-alanine. They're the only kind of three that potentially might have use in very, very small numbers of people to give that little bit of extra edge. But other than that, um, I never really recommend them at all. With regards to kind of protein shakes, though, often I kind of think about protein shakes. Yes, they are a, a supplement, but they if you just choose protein, that's just protein kind of, you know, it's on its own, you know, for example, if we protein isolate or something like that, it's almost just like protein kind of whittled down into into a powder. So the only time, again, I would tend to recommend someone to have them is if you've got higher protein requirements, particularly if you're someone who's strength trains or endurance training, the requirements are roughly between 1.2 to 2 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. And that can sometimes be really quite high for people to reach that a protein supplement might be useful um, and there, if you maybe struggle to get that higher amount um, for convenience purposes. So, if you h- struggle to maybe, so for example, if I, I take myself as an example, I train in the morning. Um, if I maybe struggle to get somewhere to have a breakfast, or um, you know, I've got nowhere to eat something like that, just because I'm maybe going heading straight to work. Sometimes I will take a protein shake you know, then in order to get some protein in after my workout. Um, But I will do whatever I can so that I get it from a food first approach. So for convenience purposes, potentially it might be useful. Or for example, if you're maybe vegan or vegetarian, where your richest protein sources are going to be your animal based products for the large majority of people but if you're vegan or vegetarian and you're not consuming a lot of them then at times there might be the need for supplementing with a a protein shake in order to to hit higher protein goals if if that's the case but again for the large majority of people 100% people usually over and above what their protein needs are um, anyway so
0: I know. I think people think that if they push the protein up, they're going to expedite the muscle building process. Now, I spoke to, I actually know the sort of rough figures for the building process. I don't know exactly because everyone's different, but a novice in the gym, it's not uncommon. If they've been in a caloric surplus, to put on a pound and a half of muscle in a month. That is like, because their body's so unused to it, right? Now, for someone like maybe me, yourself, Kerry, it's been training weights for a long time. We'd probably be down at like, yourself, a female as well, probably below a quarter of a a quarter of a pound of muscle in a month like that's yep. that's probably it. So if you start breaking it down, a pound of muscle is three thousand five hundred uh, calories. I keep saying kilograms, um, calories. And if you spread that across the course of the month, if you're only going to put on a quarter pound, you'd only look at being in a surplus of a hundred calories or so a day. That's all you need to be in. But people think it's like, I'll expedite the process by consuming more protein. And you're like, your body can only synthesize and break down so much. So you're not going to, by consuming more protein, you're not going to be like, right, I'm going to put more on. And I think this is when you get people, when they say things like, I'm doing a dirty bulk. It's like a pure gym bro thing. You're like, what are you talking about? You're just going to be left with loads of body fat. Like you're you're just going to have loads of excess body fat that you're like, oh, probably shouldn't have done this. Do you know what I mean?
1: And I think as well, that's a really important point to touch on that when it comes to protein, it doesn't, all of it just doesn't go to your muscles. Like it's used for so many different things. But if your body, if you're taking in a lot more, any type of food that you take in excess, regardless of what type it is, any energy that you consume in excess will eventually cause you to to gain fat. So regardless of whether it comes from a protein source or whatever else you will, if you're over consuming on calories for a sustained period of time, you will gain weight. Um, And I think it's important to remember that at one period or one point in time, your body can actually only utilise a bit of protein at one time as well. So, um, for example, if I choose the post-workout period, often we say anything between 15 to 25 grams is enough, you know, for you to try and kind of start this recovery, um, you know, that you might need after a strength session. But otherwise, like taking any more is probably not going to be utilised for muscle protein synthesis, muscle gains. um, yeah
0: I always say to everyone it's a bit like splitting hairs isn't it it's not really like fo it's like that focusing on the things even people start going oh like what we were talking about already it's like people come into track and they're like what about this and this and you're like you're looking, you need to look at this first and I think that's what people are forgetting and it's like one of those things like action speaks more than words and I think once you start doing it and you like the more I've done it over the years the more I've learned through training people I'm like god that's not actually that important like For us, Joe Averages, like that, that they're just looking to be in good shape, that are maybe looking to do some fitness um, events or whatever, it doesn't matter. See, for someone that's like a high performing athlete, yes, like I, like that, someone that's trying to break like the all time marathon record or someone, yeah, of course, it's so important because that's the point that they're at. But Mm -hmm. for like so many, for Joe Average, it's not important. Like, I'm not saying it's not important, I'm just meaning it's like, people just look at the wrong end of the stick you're like yeah. why Why are you looking at that when you've not even got your head around this or um it, i suppose it's like it's when people are talking about diets and all that as well and you're like these are just tools
1: um no.
0: it's your and i think
1: as well like don't get me wrong there's like the numbers that i gave you know a wee second ago about the 1.2 to 2 if you find that you're someone that obviously regularly trains yeah it might be useful to kind of focus on again you know having a look having a nosy at the back of the packets or portion sizes maybe seen roughly on a day-to-day basis are you kind of hitting between that range to make sure that you're getting enough so that you are trying to get like the most out of your, your training sessions or see a little bit of a difference because I think sometimes maybe people under or overestimate how much protein they're actually they're actually taking in at the beginning um But for the large part, like if you're just a wee bit more mindful about protein sources um, and protein, like I I said before, your richest sources are going to be your meat and dairy products, but you actually get in small amounts in um, like plant-based options like lentils, pulses, beans. You'll also get some in um, like breads, a wee small amount in pasta, different things like that. that. Over the course of the day, it really does add up that if you're more mindful about your choices for meals and snacks, you can usually do it without a a supplement um but it could be useful to just have a little nosy to see roughly how much protein are you taking per day particularly if you're someone you know that's active
0: that's what i tend to do with my day i I make sure it depends on my day and how long it is and what i'm doing i might have three to four meals and maybe two to three snacks i eat quite a lot of food i tend to eat about four thousand calories a day (laughs) um, and uh eat a lot of food um depending on what i'm doing i'm doing a lot of uh cardio based stuff and that right now not all the time like that um And like I tend to have as a rule of thumb, say I have three meals and three snacks, I would try and opt to make sure at least three or four of them were high protein. That's what I would do. So like that's, and that's my, and like I'm not tracking and because of my experience and knowledge of tracking, I'm aware of my food. So I I just make sure that like what what I'm having today, I'll be like, and I'm not going to like, you're not going to ridicule yourself if you don't meet that. It's just a rule of thumb, isn't it? It's just like trying to have those markers there and um,
1: I, I think the evidence is actually suggesting that a lot of people used to just focus on the the post-workout period of getting in a lot of protein then but actually the evidence for maintaining or gaining muscle is actually to try and spread your protein intake throughout the day and actually that's even important for the general individual anyway because if you can imagine every cell in our body has has protein it's all, we're always needing it so we talk about this protein or nitrogen balance throughout the day so there's always this way of are cells and muscles and everything are doing a bit of work that we need to try and get this protein balance back in again by what we by what we eat um so actually going through the day of taking a regular portion of protein at each of your meals or actually in between in a snack can be great and protein is really really super filling as well so it can be a really good thing for perhaps people that are wanting to try and um more mindful of the food that they eat if they are looking for a wee bit of like fat loss as well because they tend to give protein sources tend to actually potentially give a little bit less calories Um, and also if you make sure that you focus on them it can be good if you're doing the strength and endurance based training as well and keep you really full so I me personally I tend to make sure I've got protein at every meal time and often try and do my snacks in between as a protein based or having a protein content in there somehow so it could be Um, yogurts it could be like crackers with cheese or tuna or something like that you know boiled eggs anything just something that I can snack on quickly that's going to give me a little bit of protein in between Um,
0: if you look at most diet clubs or slimming clubs whatever you want to call them that most of them are encouraging a high protein diet Mm -hmm. that's what most of them are doing but they're just doing it disguised they're just calling it something else Um, but that is genuinely that's how they kind of work and then most fad diets are just working off the premise that you're hardly eating any food. Um, yeah, sure.
1: that, that's,
0: yeah, yeah, just cutting out like cutting out a food group and just hoping. But I've I've trained plenty of people that's like, oh, I was doing Atkins, but I didn't lose any weight because that person's eating habits were that they they hadn't addressed their calorie intake because their eating habits were that not bad, but they were really well, they were, but they were in a position where they were over consuming loads, um, but because. They didn't address their calories. They were still consuming the same amount of calories, but in fats and proteins, they weren't losing any fat. They were like, oh, the Atkins diet didn't work. And I'm like, no, no you, 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 didn't, you, didn't, you weren't in an energy deficit. It wasn't that Atkins diet that didn't work. It was the yeah. fact that you never addressed your calorie consumption. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And uh, moving on to the second last question. Um, this one was like, I, I don't know if you got it when I sent it over to you, but let's talk sugar. Why is it getting such a bad rap?
1: Because there's just so much misinformation out there.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, just uh, I think over the years, there's been different phases where we've went through that you know having a diet that's really high in fat is bad for you, having a diet that's really high in sugar is really bad for you, and different things like that. But like I've said earlier on in the in the um, chat already, is that carbohydrates. So if we talk about there's two different kinds: complex carbohydrates or simple and free sugars. Complex carbohydrates are um, bread, rice, potatoes, pasta, things like that, that are eventually broken down into glucose or sugar, just as the other word for it. And it's this sugar or glucose that our body uses for energy, and it's the first form of energy our body and our brain wants to use. Um, the simpler free sugars can tend to be things like... Um, honeys, sweets, um, you know, kind of milks, different things like that, um, that can tend to actually give this quicker release of energy. So complex carbohydrates, your body needs to do quite a wee bit of work to break them down, which will give us this slow release of energy. Whereas the kind of simpler free sugars tend to give us this quicker release of energy. Um, ideally, what we are wanting to do is make sure that our... Our main meals have a source of complex carbohydrates and choosing the whole grain versions where possible. So whole grain bread, whole grain rice, different things like that, because that will give us an increased fiber content. Um, And the reason, I I don't know why it gets, I think people just have this idea that it causes them to, to put on weight. And when they, actually I think probably the reason that they get this is when they're told to cut them out they actually probably see a quick weight loss one because they are cutting out a food group so we're also putting like you said every setting to go putting themselves in a calorie deficit but also with um carbohydrates you have a storage form of carbohydrates called glycogen in your body and actually when we reduce and like cut out carbohydrates and we're not replenishing our, our glycogen stores you're body actually stores carbohydrate along with a bit of water so quite often the reason that people see a quick weight loss is actually a lot to do with water weight in the beginning rather than actually any body fat loss so people are you know jumping on the scales and seeing this quick weight loss and being like it's all to do with carbohydrates just because i've cut them out and actually in fact it's got nothing to do with that it's actually just because you're cutting out a, you know a food group um and like i, t- I touched on before those carbohydrates have got if we talk about the complex ones are such a rich source of fiber that if we cut them cut them out we're actually taking out a, a huge source of fiber for us which is really is not good at all fiber we need and for many folk in the uk on average we're actually only eating about two thirds of what we we should be eating and that's with people including carbohydrates in there and um, also it gives you such a big range of vitamins and minerals in there as well so if people cut them out they're really putting their their health at ri- their health at risk Um so I get really frustrated when people tell me that they're bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think like one of my, my longest client, um, she's a colonoscopy nurse and she was telling me like, we talk a lot about nutrition and stuff. And one of the things that she sees regularly is lack of fiber on the diet and how bad it is for your gut health. Um, yep. And like that can lead to obviously long-term issues and stuff as well. And um, so obviously it's a big, big thing there. And again, it's, it's this sort of stigma, like the thing you said there about carbohydrates. So I put it in a post last week, like people would actually celebrate going to the toilet and being two pounds lighter because they think it's a win and you're like, it's just your scale weight. And like yeah. as you said, like for every gram, so your average person can store between the, the muscles. Obviously I'm talking average person, Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, glycogen level would have been a lot bigger than mine, do you know what I mean? Because of his bigger muscle mass. Um, but your average person roughly stores between 400 grams between their sort of muscle and, and their liver. Um, so for every gram, it's two to three grams of water stored. So technically speaking, you could literally be in an energy deficit for the day. So you could be dropping body fat, not much in a day. Let's say you're in a 500 calorie energy deficit. But when you stepped in the scales in the morning, you could have been depleted. Let's say you didn't consume carbs the day before. You're depleted in glycogen. right? You could stay in your deficit, but you could consume 400 grams of carbohydrates in that day. And you could step on the scale and you could literally be four pounds heavier, yeah. But you're actually it, still dropping body fat. But people would see that as a loss, and they're like, "Oh my god, I'm four pounds heavier." I'm like, "You're still dropping body fat. You're in an energy deficit, like yeah." And they can't. It's just like I suppose it's the thing where like I, my mom, my mom went to Weight Watchers for years. Um, I've completely changed their views on it now, which is a good thing. Um, not that it's bad, but like, she was. Everyone's just in this mindset of weight, weight, weight. Your your weight's your relationship to the ground.
1: That was just what I was about to say. That's like my favorite thing to to view it as. It's your relationship with gravity. It's got nothing else. It's such an unreliable marker of of things. I I really don't like using at all.
0: I've uh, started. I weigh people, but I I say it's a secondary source of information. Like let talking weight. If someone's in a fat loss journey, my dog's barking right now. Um, <laughs> she's uh she's she's on heat right now she's turned into a wee lady i took her out a walk there and uh i was like looking at for our dogs i was like don't you come near my girl and uh she's away barking now don't bark sky <laughs> and uh she's on paw patrol right now and uh <laughs> yeah, so yeah what were saying? So we say so we're talking in there and um i so your, your weight can fluctuate massively but like long term, if someone's in a fat loss journey and it's three weeks and they've not lost any weight, there's questions to be raised. In one yeah. week, I've actually started recently saying, yo, if someone's in a fat loss journey, a healthy amount of weight to lose in a week is zero to two pounds. Yeah. And I say zero now because I've realized that it's so normal that as I said there, that the fluctuations can happen in a week. And it's the same with weight gain. If someone's in a weight gain journey where they're maybe underweight, they're trying to do it, zero to two pounds in a week is completely healthy. Um, yep. like that's that's what i tell people they should be aiming for and they're like what do you mean zero and i'm like because in a week it might not fluctuate like three weeks and you've not lost any weight you have to start questioning your activity yeah. levels and your nutritional intake but one week zero to two pounds is absolutely fine yeah. um, i
1: think that's the one thing i never mentioned with carbohydrates as well is that because it's our first form of energy that our body wants to use i think our body quite often, we're, we're accustomed to liking things that are sweeter. So I know this might sound a bit strange, but right from the word go, we take things like breast milk or formula milk, which is sweeter. We're accustomed to know that that is like the type of food that our body wants when we need energy. So quite often people just don't have an idea of portion size. We'll go back to that again. And it's very easy to overconsume. One example I often tend to give is how many times do people have a plate full of pasta with not taking very much consideration into trying to get some protein in there, trying to get some vegetables in there somehow to make up a balanced plate. So it's very easy for people to overconsume on carbohydrates, but it's not the carbohydrates that are the problem. It tends to be portion sizes and all around general intake and overall calorie consumption rather than the carbohydrates themselves.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. It's 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 just again. It's I think when you've got that awareness there, and that's why I I try and get because I've realised over all my my time of training, it's like I love explaining these things to people, but sometimes if they don't have their head around the calories, it's like you are talking a bit like to, it can be like talking to a brick wall. You're like you need to kind of get your head around this. So you like it just builds up a little bit of awareness. I think everyone could genuinely benefit from that like one week or so uh, of just doing it, um, just to get that awareness there, but. As it's just one of those things that like sugar people are like yeah sugar's bad and you're like no like sugar's meant to be in your diet like anything else um but yeah it's, it's so important so what's your three most regular nutrition myths that you hear as a dietitian?
1: first one first carbohydrates are bad
0: yeah, i know <laughs>
1: it's got to be in there um it's like i've said before it just it frustrates me so much and if there's one thing that i could try and myth bust and get people totally walking away from is for them ever thinking that carbohydrates are are bad. Um, The next one I'd probably say is that um, there's this idea that you maybe can't eat after a particular time of night which is so not appropriate um, or correct. I think a lot of people think that when they go to sleep that they going to gain weight if they eat too late you know from what foods that you know they're not burning off but often what i tend to explain to people is we've got this obviously metabolic rate that allows our body to keep functioning so our body never just turns off obviously we're needing energy to keep our brain our heart our lungs and everything functioning that it doesn't matter the time of day that we really that we eat, it's more again over the amount that we tend to take in over the course of the day. It's not you're not gonna store it as as fat automatically just because you're not as active, obviously, when you're sleeping. Um, so yeah, that's another one of mine. Um, also probably the things like you'll maybe see a common theme, carbohydrates are bad, or people that say we should be cutting out gluten, or people saying that we should be cutting out dairy. You only should be doing this if you've actually been told that you've got an intolerance or an allergy. Um, if you're doing this without a recommendation from a doctor or a dietitian, then you're actually really again at risk of limiting yourself, you know, with regards to what nutrition you can take in because you've not then been given the advice or support in order to choose appropriate alternatives. Um, that yeah, I think it's just been really mindful of that is that you shouldn't be cutting anything out unless you're actually told for a you know a medical reason, um, you know, and you're getting support with it.
0: Yeah I think that's just sort of became a bit of a bandwagon with the gluten thing like just people saying like you know and you go to so many shops now and there's literally like gluten free aisles and I was like that wasn't that wasn't a thing when I was a wee guy.
1: I know Well, I think the good thing yeah. is for folk that actually need to cut it out that have obviously yeah. been diagnosed with celiac disease yeah, then yeah. I suppose one positive thing is that it's made food more accessible for them when there wasn't maybe a lot of gluten free options for them because we've actually learned a lot more about celiac disease over maybe the last kind of 20 30 years and people are getting more appropriately diagnosed because we know more about it but it's it's probably taken away the importance or the severity of the, de- of the disease story because people are just thinking oh, it's fine i should just cut it out because it's bad for me it's it's not to do with that at all gluten is actually a natural protein found in food um and that people if unless they have an intolerance or anything to it or they've been diagnosed with celiac disease there's no need to to cut it out
0: yeah there definitely is a lot of myths with uh, nutrition and stuff and i think that it cuts it, it, that labeling and i think I always say, like I said it, I was talking about my stories last week, people are like sheep. And you could literally, you're like, no wonder bloody world wars and all that happened, man. You could just be like Chinese whispers and be like, yeah, that's bad. And then other folk are like, yeah, that's bad. And you're like, what's the evidence behind that? And you're like, I don't know. I just said it because John said it, or I just said it because they said it. And I think people do just jump onto bandwagons like, quite quickly and without
1: actually people say that it's worked for them it's going to you know they'll believe them and say that it's you know it works it must work for me and that's why sometimes things like social media platforms are not good because people will share their experience um rather than actually sharing appropriate nutritional advice and it can be really dangerous and that's why i really hope in years and stuff to come that there'll be a better kind of um, control around people who are allowed to provide nutrition advice that you know obviously aren't qualified to do so because it's just it's really making it really difficult for people
0: I've seen how uh, Gemma Collins was promoting a fat jab yeah. like, oh, I know and it's, Started on that. I know it's, it's bad isn't it, and it's, like, it it's scary the, and that's what I was talking about at the beginning we are on platforms that I know I said you've got more followers than me and stuff but it's like we are a little fish in a big big pond here and unfortunately, these people with uh, 1 million, 2 million followers, they're the sharks, and they're the sharks that everyone sees. And uh, they will – you know, it says a lot about their, their, their income if they're willing to just literally not really – they don't realize the harm they're doing, the same things like this, like because they've got a lot of very, very easily influential people following them. And I, was, I followed um, – I didn't follow them. It was one of my clients that said to me – it was a, a guy that had been on one of these programs, I don't know, like um, Love Island or something – and the guy mm-hmm. was talking about how he was doing like these folk are in phenomenal shape and all that, but that's all they do. And like he was talking about how he was in bed with like cramps of hunger, and I'm like, "Fuck me, mate! There's so many guys and girls that look up to you, and they're just going to go to look like you. This is what I need to do." Yeah, and- it's
1: just it, it doesn't need to to be that way at all. And I think that's the bit that really worries me is that they're often promoting. Um, such unsustainable and unhealthy either ways to eat or unhealthy and you know really dangerous products. And half the time they've not even tried them themselves. I cannot as much as I maybe don't have any evidence of that, I can pretty much guarantee you they'll just be told, "Can you promote this? You'll get paid for it." And you know, it's it's a nightmare.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things as well about like what you were saying about promoting certain things, and I've seen it so much where I like. A lot of people I know where they're like, oh man, I done the carnivore diet and my running got better. And I'm like, no, your running got better because you've been running for a while and you've been progressing your running. Like people forget about the full side of recovery and training and they start just going, it was this or that you get people that are like, I'm all for any, any diet, I'm not against anything at all, but you get people that are like maybe vegan, for example, and they're like, have you seen that ultramarathon runner? They've done this and you're like, no, they're an ultramarathon runner. Because they're an extremely good, dedicated runner and that's what they do. And their the nutrition, the nutrition complements it. And within their yep. nutrition, they're still consuming adequate nutrients to support what they're doing. It's not because of the like they didn't change to like keto and become a better runner. They were a yep. better runner. Like, do you know what I mean? There's it's, and I think this is a big thing with nutrition as well, where people just go, it was this, and you're like, no, that was a tool. Um, but you'll find yeah. within their nutrition, they're ticking all the boxes. They had adequate calories. They had adequate protein uh, to synthesize for the body. They they were doing it to recover properly. They had adequate carbohydrates. Like, but it was that person's ability to push mentally and physically that took them to that point. And I think that like, and I've always been bewildered by that. I'm like, how can you think that because they were plant based? Like, the game changers when that program came out, and it was like everyone was going, this person done this. I'm like, no, you need to remember that person is a fucking athlete like yes. like that is that is how they done it they didn't do it because of vegetables they had a very well balanced diet but you'll find that and it was like things as well where there was like a strong man it was like and he was talking about this and i was like yeah but he also takes anabolic steroids and it's like <laughs> haven't mentioned that either um but it's all these different factors that i, I think po- just point the finger it was because of that and you're like no it wasn't because of that it was a combination of many different things um, and
1: that's a, a good thing to highlight that Netflix documentaries should not be your source of nutrition information
0: <laughs> I know I know because like, I was watching a program recently with Zac Efron I don't know if you've seen it and it was a uh, he'd done a documentary with a guy and it was t- it's totally fake that guy's just went Zac we're going to make this documentary and you're going to come with me here and I'm going to say this and yeah. Zac's like okay
1: <laughs> or something he was What's traveling that? to like, is this the one that he was like traveling to different places around the yeah. world and stuff yeah, yeah.
0: And they were talking about life expectancy in this place in Italy, I think it was. And they were going, it's got the longest. They were calling it the blue this, the blue district because of this is what they're, they're, they're basically working it off, right? And they were going, it's because they don't eat protein. And I was like that, mm, no, it's because they live really stress-free lives. They live in the fucking mountains. They are so active. And they literally live good lifestyles. And they're like, oh, it's because of the protein. It's because they don't consume high-protein diets. And you're like, they live in the mountains. They live up big, massive hills. And they go out and they walk miles and miles. Like, anyone that's going to do that, it's going to be good for the longevity. But they have just highlighted yeah. the fact that it was because they had a low-protein diet. And I was like, do you know what? There's going to be loads of people watching this going, Zac Efron was actually watching it. And you've seen the shape that he was in when he was in Baywatch, right? And he was going like, <laughs> I can't believe I've been doing it all wrong. And I was like, mate, you like. He was going. I've been eating high protein and lifting weights, and I'm like, mate, but look at the shape you're in. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like, I know. but I know it's crazy. But it's, that's the thing. It's that like people that you need to, you need to read between the lines. You can't just be like, this is what it is. But um, um, what we saying? So, so i like, was just going
1: to say there that like, I know it's. I find sometimes I find it really difficult because I know that getting. Appropriate nutrition advice isn't always the most accessible for people. I get that the NHS we usually tend to see for once they've been diagnosed with a clinical condition and different things like that that often people need to maybe look outside, go freelance, which can be expensive and and things like that. but sometimes it is even when it comes to personal training and things I even you know put that on a post tonight that it sometimes just spending or investing if that's the right word to use um just to help you it doesn't mean that it needs to be forever but just to get the right information and maybe like i keep saying it clearing away the nutritional noise that's out there could be sometimes the best money that you'll that you spend um because there's there's a lot of a lot of crap information out there
0: definitely and like if you are listening you've been considering personal training like as kerry said that's not a long-term thing you no. do it like I, people come to me and i'm like I like, oh, to do a block of 10 sessions, but I'll do it one every two weeks. I'm like, look, if you're only going to invest in 10 sessions and that's your only intention, do it as quick as you can. Like mm-hmm. you like it's not gonna it's not gonna prolong the effect of it by having me by your side for longer. Then yeah. the, the the education that I'm gonna provide you with is what's gonna get you moving in the right direction. It's not a t- it's not like a time cap. And I think again, there's probably it's because of the noise in the fitness industry. Because if I put a post up about a joke in last week, as soon as Nicola Sturgeon announced um, the gyms opening. There was flash sales everywhere, a personal training from all the silent personal trainers for the past five months. And yep. I was like, God, like, you shouldn't be selling your service as a time slot. You should yeah. be selling it as something that's going to educate. And the fact that you're doing that, you've immediately devalued what you do. And oh. you, know, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just one of those things. Like, like if, if everyone went to the, guy, the mechanic that done sales, you'd be like, why is that mechanic doing so many sales? what's the here like why why is it he's not that busy like what's going on here so it's just one of those things isn't it? a lot of folk look at so don't if you are going to invest you don't need to do it as a long-term thing but i would highly recommend it and i would highly recommend getting a good coach as well um yeah, yeah don't just do it don't do a flash sale you get what you pay for <laughs> um but yeah um it's like one of those folk when you go to a driving instructor like the driving instructor i went to was like a more premium one and you booked your test after 10 lessons and he prided himself on that and there was people going to like aa that done like i'm on my 40th lesson but they're like <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like one of those things so look at it that way as well but um i don't have anything else to add in there i'd just like to say thank you very much for coming on the podcast and is there anything else you would like to add in
1: no thanks so much for having me and I think you've ended it on like a, a great way there that um, I think it's just keeping in mind that people should be getting their both their nutrition and fitness advice from people that are appropriately appropriately qualified Um that's probably one of the biggest things that I can say when it comes to this because there is just so much misinformation out there so sometimes just going to someone to get a little bit of help might be some of the um, or might be one of the best things that you you can do Um So, yeah, but no, thanks so much for having me on.
0: That's all right. Um, Yep, just before I shoot, guys, um, normal stuff. If you have listened to the podcast, get it on your stories. Tag us both in the podcast, and obviously we can share it onto our stories as well and get the message out there more. But anyway, team, catch you in a bit. Bye.